and we are live welcome everyone is danny here today i have some fire interview for you that i'm really really excited about it's the first person i'm really gonna be interviewing out of my social circle so i'm a little bit nervous and at the same time excited uh, this person is a person i follow for a good few years that's been recommended to me by one of the uh, one of my followers when I was starting my hand balancing hand balancing journey. Uh, let's welcome Michael. Hello. Nice so Michael, to be here. Tell us, tell us something about yourself. Um, about myself. So um, yeah, what can I say? I am. Uh, a hand balancer uh, been that for i don't know 12 years or so now um i guess i can start just explaining a little bit about my kind of my start into physical practices and stuff um so as a kid I, I was kind of the the video game dude of the class so i was like very very much uh unphysical through my entire childhood and like i never really I kind of like avoided even like physical training and like skiing and stuff that is kind of very popular in Norway. I just just hated it. And like, obviously I was bad at it, which made you kind of avoid it even more. Uh, and I had like kind of like semi back problems as a teenager. Um, I mean, I was kind of overweight and I guess the the, re oh, the only reason for these back problems was just that like I I sat at, on the floor playing video games all day and I like I didn't didn't move or like do anything. And, uh, like, I was at a chiropractor that told me that, like, yeah, you know, like, martial arts is good for your back, basically. That was all he said. Like, yeah, you know, karate is good for your posture. And I was like, hmm, yeah, there is a karate club. And I just become became friends with a guy who did karate. So I went there, and I tried it out, and I kind of fell in love with it instantly. So it was the the style called Taniha Shitoryu, uh, which I did for, like, I basically did, did it religiously almost for, like, 10 years. I was completely obsessed. So I got my second degree black belt, uh, and during this time, like I kind of started getting interested in breakdancing. Um, I'd seen some VHS tapes, and like my friends were into hip hop and stuff, and then like I kind of got completely caught by this. And um, I'm from a very small town in Norway called Rødos. It's they're basically five thousand inhabitants there, so you of course you're not going to find a lot of breaking uh, of up there. Uh, it's kind of in the Norway. middle. It, it's kind of in the middle of Norway. Um, it's okay. about five hours north of Oslo. And I mean, like, since Norway is so long, I mean, it's it's not even close to, like, the real north. But it's up in the mountains, so it's really cold. It's really kind of... There's not much happening here. It's very pretty, but there's... It's, it's oh, nice. not, like, the most wow. interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I moved to Oslo. started doing breakdancing with a bunch of people there. Got completely obsessed with that. Uh, and after about six, seven years of breaking, I met some people doing like circus because i was teaching at this little culture house i was teaching some like basic acrobatic classes got in touch with a hand balancer that came and taught some classes there from he was in the states named cory tobino and like i had done a lot of kind of handstand moves before kind of just uh, in breaking like a lot of the spins and a lot of stuff i was good on my hands but i didn't have any technique or any specificity like that but I got really kind of captivated when he started teaching me and I learned it really fast because I had like, even though my technique was strange and off, like I had control. So it went really fast for me to learn one arms and stuff. And I decided to go to circus school because I was like, I didn't really know what to do. I'd been studying at university and I was like, circus thing, this looks, looks cool. Fuck it. Let's try. And 
I applied for a circuit school in Stockholm, which is one of the kind of the major ones in Europe. And I got in first try, luckily enough. Uh, did three years there under a Russian coach named Alexander Gavrilov. And worked as a performer since then. Also been a lot interested in kind of like the teaching of handstands and how kind of how it works biomechanically, how people approach it differently, how like in within the circus and kind of sports field, there is like this very uniform way of thinking you need to do it exactly like this. While what I've seen and also experienced is that like there is a technique, but like people need to adjust it to fit themselves as well, because not everyone is a robot that is designed the same. Like we are different people and different bodies. Um, yeah. So I've been quite a, kind of into all of these things. And I guess that's why I'm also here to keep talking about the handstands and stuff. All right, wicked. Now, so let's forget the let's forget this bumper and the intro. Uh, personal question. Mm -hmm. You don't have to answer. Ah, fire. Marvel, Marvel or DC? Marvel or DC? Um, I'm not sure. Let me see. I'm not like super into those comics, uh, but. I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure, actually, because there's like I kind of like individuals ones within each of the kind of universes. Uh, but I've never like that's the thing. I've never been like super into Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or X-Men. Like there are more kind of like these kind mm -hmm. of fringe characters I like within both of them. Uh, so I really okay. Don't so know let's what... ask. Let's ask again. Which one is your favorite character from both of the universes? Oof. Uh, I think. I mean. Batman's cool. I think Wonder Woman is kind of cool as well. Uh, and I think in in Spider Man, um, I mean, I or like not in Spider Man, but like in in kind of the DC stuff. I like a lot of kind of the villains like Galactus and stuff. It's just like such like epic proportions. Um, and I mean, I, I did like I did really like actually the first Avenger movie. I think it was just a well presented way of yeah. doing kind of like the full crew of loads of superheroes. But everyone got kind of screen time and they were interesting. Whereas number two, I wasn't that much into it. It was just too much kind of run and gun action. The second the one was Ultron, right? Yes, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, and I, I did see the one, the number three, but I did actually didn't see the the fourth one. Um, but as for comics, I'm actually very into. Do you know the Sandman universe by Neil Gaiman? I think I've seen it on your stories mm. and I Google it at that mm. time. It's very uh, good. I'm more into, into movies. I kind mm. of I grew up on anime mm. on Dragon Ball. Mm. And I kind of grew up of animated stuff. I prefer watch movies like a live mm. action with the special effects. I used to do a little bit of the video effects myself. Mm. I was play, playing around with it. So it really fascinated me how they how they are doing it. Mm. And I like to in my head like digest and put everything in the pieces like how they possibly could yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that that's actually really cool. Like I, I really love watching like from how they used to do it in old movies with like all the miniatures and stuff where it's like okay they didn't have the CG so they just had to find like a way to like make a painting, literally, just that looks like the background yeah, and, like, old, and the old, eye believes old, it. Old Godzilla, like old mm. Godzilla yeah, yeah. movies, in a, mm. with a, uh, rubber rubber suits and uh, yeah. miniatures <laughs> of the buildings. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Star Wars used a lot of that too, and really well. Yeah. Actually. So, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I like a lot of different ones within there, but like hard hard to answer a specific one. 
Okay, so how, uh, let's move to the let's move to the main main uh, subjects. Okay, so you mentioned already hand balancing, circus to break dancing. Uh, how was? Tell me more about the circus because I'm really interested, intrigued. Like how how does how does it look look that? What what kind of like a day in a in a circus school? How does it look like? Um, yeah, so like. Circus schools, I guess, like they there is there is a lot of variation. I think from the different schools, but I think at the the kind of general stuff that you have, kind of as part of the curriculum, is you when you enter a circus school, it's through an audition, so that you are they basically get to just test your specific, like you're applying kind of wanting to uh, specialize with some sort of skill. At least, like if we talk about the professional circus schools, the kind of like the professional schools that then you have a experience from before and you want to kind of become a performer and then you have like the kind of uh, the preparatory schools where you come as anyone and you start learning and then eventually may maybe go to the professional one. I was at the professional school and you then have uh, a fair bit of um, hours within kind of your specialization discipline which to me then was hand balancing. Um, so that is kind of like the largest part of kind of your physical training is within your discipline. Then everyone has acrobatics. Like we had a couple of gymnasts teaching uh, basic acrobatics and stuff. And of, of course, advanced acrobatics for the, the ones that could and many good. Um, then you, I also had like a secondary discipline within it, which was aerial straps, uh, which I did for a few years in school. Um, so kind of the physical part of school was like we would have it in the morning. We would have three to four hours of physical training, like three classes usually or two classes, depending on. Um, and at, like the, there would be lunch. And then afterwards, we would usually have uh, either like theater classes, dance classes, or there would be like free time to we would, for example, have like specific tasks. We would have like, OK, yeah, so we have been working with a concept. Uh, with a teacher, for example, kind of a workshop where a teacher is kind of working with like specific creative scenarios. And then you are supposed to kind of create something with that. And then you, for example, present it on the Friday to the entire class and so on. So that is something that you that we quite often did. Um, or like it could also be the opposite. Like I think in the second year, we had all the classes in the afternoon, like the physical classes in the afternoon. Uh, and like there is... Like what we also would do is like, because we 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 had the, the space uh, for um, up all the way until evening, so we would usually stay there and also train after school. I mean, we were all young and full of fire, so we would just like, go ham every day, basically, like way too hard in one sense too. But uh, yeah, so like my kind of entire impression, I mean, it it was a blast. It was incredible because it was so both like so mental in in terms of like learning all these kind of like standing on stage and kind of expressing yourself to an audience and like finding that kind of calm in front of people uh, learning to master a bunch of just physical skills. Uh, to me, I was of course most focused on the handstand <laughs> part um, where like my, my Russian teacher, he was absolutely hilarious and like old guy, to, just like the stereotypical Russian um, like gymnastics or hand or like uh, or circus coach, very, very stern, but also very funny and very specific in the way he wanted everything. Uh, told us loads of different or loads of stories from kind of when he was in like the old school circus in Russia with circus bears and you name it. So 
it was it was a very special and kind of unique experience for three years passed by really fast with like left me with so many impressions and going from basically a guy that was pretty good at handstands and until uh, until a guy that uh, was able to kind of perform on stages around the world so um, yeah it's it's um it was certainly something um i had a, I had a question about this still about this course so if um if i'm coming as a as a, like a fresh no experience whatsoever with any circus arts no hand balancing and stuff mm. like that what uh what choices do i have and could you explain all of them because there were some terms as you were speaking that i didn't understand um yeah so like to to start from the beginning then like that is why you have in general it's kind of informal but you have the preparatory schools which then um there is no set formula for those but those are kind of various um um circus training programs either like most of the time run privately by people where you can come there are various classes and you, you start learning basically like you start developing some sort of discipline and i think this is maybe the most the most fundamental thing is that like you decide to get good at a specific thing good enough so that uh, eventually you can start specializing in that uh, and take it towards the performance con uh, context so um you would then start out by let, let's say you would want to get good at aerial straps i mean you'd find find either one of these preparatory schools or you would just find a private teacher that'll start teaching you the skills so that you can just start developing some vocabulary you learn a bunch of tricks you get the conditioning needed and you can start making sequences together and stuff like that uh, and when you uh, uh, like the purpose and kind of the idea of these professional schools is to take you from someone who has physical skills uh, to someone who can basically monetize those skills by being a performing artist uh, and like being kind of both technically uh, good enough to stand on the stage uh, and to to just have the confidence of of being in front of an audience and also being creative in the terms of like uh, ideally you want to be able to create something unique <clears throat> that makes you different from the other hand balancers for example and so that like expressing your own ideas and stuff like that so the starting point is usually that people get like a fair uh skill level from some other place either like loads of like ex-gymnasts people that have done private classes people that have done preparatory schools people that have just trained themselves but like spent some years so when you get to the addition like the teachers at the school will say okay yeah yeah this guy and this girl like they're they you can see that these people have trained they have all the drive and motivation to do this and we see that they they can they can go places with it so uh it is kind of tough to get into the higher schools because i mean they are looking for people that uh, they know can can go into the business and make a living and they want to produce successful artists which is also good for the school and so on mm -hmm. after you move the phone something started to click did you move it to some sort um, of router or something um is it is it uh, chopping now yeah Still? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't do much. I I just moved the table a oh. little bit. Better? Maybe the wire from the earphones. Uh huh. Mm. Is it better now? Yeah, it's perfect now. Okay, so he's, he's, he's very good. So uh, if I and again, 
Yes, uh, I'm gonna put something. So if I finish, if I finish that score, is that what? We lost him. Let's wait for Michael to connect again. <laughs> Some difficulties. I think I pushed the back button and it dropped out. Uh, yes, yeah, now I'm back. Right, so yeah, still, so it's, you were. It's fine. It's, it's still clicking, but oh, no worries. It's, it's not, it's not a big problem. What about now? Yeah, now it's fine. Okay. There? Yeah, works. Okay, good. Yes, good. So, <clears throat> what I wanted to ask is when I finish that school, mm. I'm, I'm, re I'm literally ready to go, or is still some steps I can do after? Uh, go to like another school and improve what I already learned in that school. And uh, you, you, you mean from a uh, preparatory or from a professional school? From, 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 from professional. Like most of the time, like when you're, when you're finished with the professional schools, like first of all, people are very eager to work. Uh, it's a little bit like doing university or like doing any other kind of school, like by the third year, or like by the end of your degree, you're like, okay, I'm a bit done with this. I want to move on. So you want to like, and particularly like you want to go out there, you want to earn money, you want to get the experience with working. So like there can be, I mean, you could take courses or you could take workshops with specific people. But what usually happens is by the end of the third year, like you kind of as your graduation ceremony, you, you create an act. And with that act, you try to sell it, sell it and kind of, get a lot of contacts and kind of do that entire thing so that you basically network to the degree that people get to know, okay, yeah, uh, you are able, like, we can see that you're able and we would like to work with you. So for me, for example, when I was in the, when I was in the, in the third year in school, uh, there was a friend of mine who he was offered a contract from a Canadian company called the seven fingers, but he was already booked on another contract. And, he asked me because he had seen some of my work and as a year you know like it, would you like me to give give them your name because like i'm busy with this contract and i was like yeah hell yeah that's that's great so suddenly like I, when i was finished at school like some months later i went to montreal and rehearsed the show and then like that was kind of my first gig i came back from there like then another circus company had heard that oh yeah he worked for them oh yeah they're that's a pretty good pretty big name we need a guy with his skill set I got hired on onwards from there. So it's mainly that like people would like to and kind of start actually getting into the real work business at that point. Okay. That's that's a fair point. It's a, like you said, it's literally you finish you're finishing some sort of course or any qualification. You just want to go there and, and do to do stuff. Yeah. So I was just want to make sure that if you do the school, if you're actually ready. Yeah, that's, most that's, most that's, most that's of a the good time. news. It's never too late for the time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going to go at some point. If I, lo if I lose like 60 kg. Mm, yeah. Or you can become a base, lift, lift people, then you should be used. Yeah. yeah. I've, done, I've done some acro yoga. Mm. If, if I would just improve my flexibility, mm. I could be okay. Not mm. good, but okay. <laughs> so tell us something about the preparation for performances. 
uh, yeah, this is it's quite specific for each discipline. I think I vary. For me, what I do is uh, it it's a lot of mental preparation in one sense because you. I mean, if if you've been on a show run for a while, so you play the same show like five days a week for a month or even just for a week, really, like you get into a rhythm and you kind of have like your kind of little ritual before and you're, that gets you mm-hmm. calm and focused. Uh, if you haven't played for a while, like I'm, I'm sure next time I go on stage, since it's been like almost a year, I'm going to be like, whoa, shit, I'm, I'm going to feel like nervous like I did in the beginning. It's going to be hilarious because it's, like to return to that feeling just because you haven't been in the context for so long. So it's a lot about kind of just like, um, I, I'm, I'm not that nervous in general, but it's like you have to manage kind of the nerves and like you get that kind of like, okay, it's almost showtime before know, you go I, on I, stage. I, know, I literally yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. yeah My it's, previous it's, podcast, I recorded solo after almost a year and a half of not doing it. I was stuttering mm-hmm. like that was my first time. Exactly. Uh, and like... It, it always gets you jittery when you're when you're going to go on stage and once you're on stage it's calm and you just go through with your stuff usually uh, so i what i would do when i would be on tour is that i would train i would do some training like one and a half hour before the show and i would train for like 45 minutes an hour uh, and then i'd eat something like light um so like i'd eat some bananas or like just something simple uh, and I'd completely rest for about like 25 minutes until like yeah, five, 10 minutes before the show. I just go through a stretching routine because like my training previous to the show, the one and a half hours before, is just to, to feel out my body. Okay, it, does the shoulders feel good? Like, am I stiff anywhere? Like, am I am I online kind of? And then I kind of calibrate a little bit the balance and and maybe go through some of the hard tricks that I'm gonna do, um, and just like feel feel it out and. I yeah rest afterwards and like hydrate, eat a bit, and before the show I stretch, I get ready, and usually just before I would go on stage, I would do like a two arm handstand in a pike, and just feel like okay, does my shoulders like, uh, is my shoulders like locked in good position when I go go down and up in pike, and if this feels good, I'm like okay yeah I'm ready, um, and if it doesn't work, like I stretch my shoulders a bit and I just do one more until I feel that okay yeah my shoulders are not mm-hmm. are like just welded in place when I where I want them. And then it's just like, okay, boom, showtime and just get into kind of the, the mind state of being on stage. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's one of both physical, but like a lot of kind of that, like getting ready for the intensity, like, because also like, you know, that some parts of the show is going to be really heavy, like really tiring, for example, and you just need to be like, okay, yeah, you're, you're dying right now, but like, you know, that you need to be on the music queue at the right point because someone else is is trusting you to be there or like someone comes jumping and you have to catch them and put them down. Like you, you can't mess it up. Like even if your shoulder is not feeling super great, okay, find the way to bring her down so that she doesn't crash. Like there's a lot of this kind of um, stuff that you, you become super aware of your body all the time. I remember like several times I'm, I'm standing on stage looking at the audience or like looking somewhere and in my head, I'm going like, okay, shit, I, my, my shoelaces is untied. I need to tie the shoelaces before this the next scene because we're going to run and some I might stumble and I can't stumble. It can be dangerous. And I'm just like kind of walking. I'm doing the entire routine just like normal. But all I know is, it's okay, uh, when I get there, I'll just turn around and I'll, I'm going to tie my shoelaces really fast. Boom. And you're back and you do it. It's like you need to like do this kind of problem solving very often on stage because because things that you don't expect will sometimes happen. 
And yeah, I think the Murphy law, yeah. Mm. So yeah, there's 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 a lot of kind of nuances and subtleties uh, to it, and that's what makes it interesting as well. Like to be to be into that work. How about preparation for the show, like a new show? Let's say you plan some solo performance. How would your training look like prior to the prior to oh. the show? How would you scale up and and program the intensity of the training? That's a good. That's actually a very good question because uh, it's something that people very often mis misunderstand if we look at uh, at circus and kind of performing arts because. Uh, there's a very large difference between what I do and what we do on stage and, for example, what the gymnast would do for a competition mm. so, or uh, a powerlifter would do for competition because what you do as a gymnast or as someone in sports is that you train very specifically with your coach for a period of time to peak at your, at your optimal level for performance day, everything, you have an entire team working with you and for you. Make sure you're peaked, you go in, you smash the absolute best you have, like the gymnast who pulls out the, the, the top-notch routine they can, like, mm -hmm. uh, and afterwards, they, they can reduce the intensity again. Whereas when you go on, like, when you, when you make a show, for example, you need to make it sustainable for... Yeah, five shows, seven shows a week. Like some with some shows, they're like ten shows a week, like double show days and stuff like that. It's dreadful. And like what you need to to do is you need to make something that is sustainable for that. And that is a huge mistake I made when I came out of circus school. I was young, I was strong. I was like, okay, I'm gonna put together this badass routine with the stuff that I love and the tricks that I want to do. And then you come and it's like, holy shit, you can't do it day number two or three or four or five because you just decided on the really big boy, super hard things. And you just need to, to understand that, okay, what I need to do is I need to program sustainably. And like what I found is that like, I would never put more than 70% of my capacity on stage uh, so that I know that I can repeat it and that I can make it work. So I think the, the first and foremost is making a routine where, uh, where it's safe and one strategy that I applied um, after learning, like one thing that's one thing they do in Circus Lail, uh, is that they have, like they have an A, B, and a C version of a act. Uh, so the the normal version is the one you run every night when you're fine, nothing special, nothing's like it's it's within your capacities. You can do it; it's good, but but safe. Then you have the injured version, which is like okay, athlete isn't feeling great, like things are shaky. Okay. Do do this like it's the same act, same music, every, like the rhythm is the same. It's just that for the performer, it's slightly easier. Uh, and then you have like the kind of the the big version. Uh, like for for Soleil, they they run that as kind of the royale version of the show. Whereas for me, like it's just if 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 I have some like if I want to try something new, if I have some like friends over, I want to do something extra impressive or like try to implement a new move, then I have that one. But that is a rare mm -hmm. occasion. That you do when you when you feel you have it. So in training up to it, like what I would do is, I remember when I was in circus school and like like going for graduation, I would present once on a Friday uh, the act, and I would be I wouldn't manage. It was so hard, and I go, I come off and I'm like fuck, I'm never gonna be able to do this. God damn it, I suck, and like really like self doubt. And one of the teachers, he came over to me, the acro teacher, and he's like, okay. I see the potential in this act, but I see your problem. What we're going to do is I'm going to take you to the studio every day, and we're just going to run the act back to back to back uh, 
until you get the fitness you need for it. Because this was a huge difference. And, and I'm sure you know that like if you do, like let's say you just go in, you're fresh and you do one set of something badass, like you can do it. But if you, if you, if you have no rest period or if, if you do it like a super fast sprint and then try to do the same set, it's going to be harder. And this is what happens. Like, like the blood is rushing, you're, you start getting stressed, like all of these kind of factors enter, enter into it. And for balancing, it's terrible. You become shaky. <laughs> so he just took me to the studio and we would like, I would run the act. I would have a sip of water and I'd run the act again. I'd have a sip of water and I'd run the act again. And by the third time I couldn't pull the same tricks, but he just said, it doesn't matter. Just, just do a one arm where you would do a one arm. Don't do the hard one because you just do one to get used to the rhythm of it, to get used to like, you get there, you're this tired, you breathe this much and yet you, you keep the rhythm going. So that's something that I really learned a lot from just like making sure that when you're when you're practicing for a routine like that, you're you're actually going like you're learning the routine and, and as a di distinct memory, like you're training the entirety of it. Because before I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just train the tricks like separately and like no problem putting them in the routine. And then you just eat shit because you you don't have the like you haven't made your body just flu yeah. fluid fluidity, yeah, yeah, and 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 just like the calm, you 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 know how this feels, and like it's funny with the show that I played like 300 times, um, like four years ago, uh, we're going to play that next year again. And I've done it so many times that like, uh, if I just think about the music from the show, I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what kind of thing I was doing. I remember the burn in my bicep right there and so on and so on. So, uh, it, it becomes so important that like the, yeah, that you practice for the very specific context that you are actually working in and that that i think is something people forget uh when looking at these kind of specific disciplines yeah that's what i keep preaching repetition 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 mm. the more you do the better you get at it it's pretty much that simple in the end <laughs> that is that simple you want to get better push-up do more push-ups make them easy do them more often mm. simple as that i'm attempting 1000 burpees on sunday Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> we've done on we've done five hundred now. This past Sunday, mm -hmm. we could easily, easily, go, easily go for one thousand. I just wanted to go for a walk after, so mm. we're like, no, 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 <laughs> next week, next week. So it took me what one year to build up to stuff like that. Mm. But like you said, it's just high vol, high vol, high volume stuff. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, give, giving yourself the time as well to. To adapt, I guess. I think. I think if we look at kind of the more like training, relatable aspects of a lot of this, it's like, eh, like I think it, it it's always very easy to underestimate how long uh, it can take you to not just do something, but to do it safely and to be able to replicate it. Um, and I think like patience is just super key in in those types of scenarios so that you like. You just don't rush ahead and like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this by Monday, and then like you think that you can do like, okay, I'm just gonna do like, as a, as a friend of mine, like he, he said to me, yeah, I'm gonna just do like 50 pull-ups every day, and I'm like, yeah, but if you want to get good at pull-ups, make yourself a fucking routine where you work on pull-ups this day, rest days, then you work on it again, and you make sure you progressively overload. And I told him like, what's going to happen is you're gonna do your 50 pull-ups. 
for a week and you're going to stop doing them because like you're going to find an excuse like, oh, yeah, I'm too sore today. You're going to get injured or you're not going to make any progress or you're going to get bored and stop doing it. And that doesn't help. Yeah, but that's that's everything here is like what's what's the training about? It's about repeating the same motions for a certain periods of time to improve mm. certain motion. Right. Mm. So I've been doing this burpees. I had I had breaks. Obviously, I had breaks, but they are more caused by the lockdown. Mm. But pull-ups, uh, recent recent one we were doing, we were doing 100 pull-ups a day. I didn't do it mm. every day because I, I, I was doing my own stuff as well, which was mm. draining enough, so I adjusted. But it, you just need to stick to it and trust it. That's mm. what it is. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it's... it's um... I mean, it's it's super specific, though. I mean, if you do have the capacity for that kind of work, it, it's it's definitely not an issue. But like in the example of this guy that I mentioned, for example, like he he doesn't really have the capacity of doing that many pull-ups. Um, so it 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 would like there or there are many more kind of uh, effective regimes that that someone like he uh, would would be would be creating a routine with that. Um, but for handstands, it's also it's also similar since you need so much repetition and like hand balancing is it's. Um, I mean, th there is a lot of strength involved, but like eventually you want it to become kind of like as technical as possible, where you start decreasing the amount of strength used rather than increasing it, as in like conventional strength training. So that's what the that's what the pole dancing taught me mm. uh, when I've been only on this few 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 classes. To, because if I would make uh, the teacher told me, she's my friend, like if you would meant to do this, what you're doing now, obviously I was overusing strength mm. for two and a half minutes of the song, mm. by half of the song, you're done. Mm. Yeah. She was really, really pushing me to, uh, yeah, pinch, pinch that elbow to that pole, hold it, don't. Keep the arms straight. Don't pull with the don't pull with the scapula. Mm. Just it, yeah. it was literally basics, but I got the I got the concept, and mm. she also introduced me to probably what you're doing as well in your performances. After a mm. big move, there is mm. this loads of small moves that allow you to recover from it. Mm. Is it something like that you do as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I mean, for most people who. To do this kind of performing stuff like you 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 need to um how to say you need to make it and like to be adjustable so that you can you can recover i mean when i'm doing like my longer if i do a longer set like i mean like at one point your forearm is just going to be like super pumped and you won't you won't feel your grip even and it's going to suck for the next time you you're going to balance so um it's it's really important to be able to yeah like deal with the energy management uh, and i mean like that's also within performance where like you either do like kind of choreographical work mm -hmm. or you do kind of like more kind of character work or kind of theatrical stuff where like where you're bind binding together kind of like it becomes the connective tissue of the of the piece you're presenting but it's it's uh, it's also super important just for like the the basic energy management because it's I mean, there are people I can stand on their hands for 30 plus minutes, but then again, no one's going to watch that on the stage anyway, because after two minutes, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, you can do this forever. Okay, that's pretty impressive, but like you, you're going to lose interest because you're just looking at the same image all the time. Um, so it's it's also like in how you present it and how you 
how you make it special in a sense. Uh, and yeah, first and foremost, like being efficient with with the way you do things is is crucial for that. Oh, okay. let's let's move let's move fo forward. So, what other disciplines did you done in the past, except the one you mentioned already? Um, so, I mean, I mean, it would, the the main kind of physical things that I've been into. Yeah, as I said, it was karate, it was breaking, it was uh, then hand balancing and aerial straps. Those were kind of the main main ones and. Within each of them, like I learned a lot of various things. Like breaking is, of course, very dynamic, very forceful, very. Um, I mean, it doesn't have so much methodology. It's very just go, just try, find your own way of doing things. Uh, mm -hmm. And circus is the opposite. It's like um, there is a methodology and there's a way you're supposed to learn this. So it's like it's precise in that sense. Um, and for me, like there's there's interesting things within both. Um, and also like the aerial straps, I mean, it's much more kind of pulling strength, like more like rings in a sense. Uh, and a lot of, uh, like it kind of kills your shoulders, a lot of the stuff within the aerial straps. So I've kind of put that on, like not so interested in that anymore. Um, that's also where I hurt my shoulder last year. Um, and like, I mean, I, I enjoy a lot of kind of strength stuff. So I have been doing like on and off, like calisthenics related stuff, such as like I was doing a lot of muscle ups in circus school because of the um, uh, because of the straps uh, and like was doing loads of ring routines as kind of my prep for that like loads of front levers and back levers and like presses to handstand in the in the rings and and so on um, and I guess like within within like the the circus world you you tend to try a bunch of things just because like your best friend is really damn good at what you're not good at and you play together. So I've done a little bit of Chinese pole, if you know what that is. Um, no idea. So Chinese pole is basically like, I mean, imagine a pole dancing uh, pole, except it's thicker. Uh, and it's it has, a, it has a rubber coating on it. So it's super sticky. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, it burns the shit out of you. So you need to wear a lot of clothes, uh, like a lot. Um, it also like it destroys your jeans. It ruins all your clothes, mm -hmm. uh, and it, they they do a lot of acrobatic material on a lot of jumps and flips and stuff like that. Yeah. Some, oh, okay, okay. Like I mean, I was never really good at the Chinese pole. I've just like dabbled with it on and off uh, in circus school a little bit before as well, uh, and I was considering doing it in circus school as kind of my secondary discipline. But when I saw how good the guys in my class were at it, I was like. Nah, I'm just gonna leave that to them because they were like total monsters. We had three guys who were just like completely bonkers at it. Um, so I've I've tried a bunch of things through the years. Uh, did a little bit of acrobatics. Never got really good at that. I've also based people in hand to hand and stuff, uh, which I love doing. But my elbows, my elbows can't bend more than this. Uh, so it becomes very heavy for me to do any kind of front supporting stuff like this. Front squats mm -hmm. is impossible, for example. Uh, I think it's just like the joint. The joint has has changed from like all the years of like literally jumping on my arm on my arms. Um, so actually, like, right yeah, you, but 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 you can touch your shoulder, right? If if you turn your yeah, hand so, this way, so tough. So yeah, because yeah, you see, for me, like yeah, there's no yeah. way even here I can touch my shoulder. Um, 
So I think it's just like the joint having um, like been changed by all the impact and all of like the stupid stuff I've done from okay. all the years. So it's actually it funny got, because it just got in. Yeah, but just like in here, like it's really heavy for me to do muscle ups now. I used to do ten muscle ups and rings, no problem. Now it's super heavy because, like you see, it's to get my hands close to my my chest. I need to be really violent here because you see, like if if I put my hand here, mm -hmm. like to get on top of the ring compared to someone who can get the hand closer to the shoulder, it's a lot easier. And I remember it used to be so easy for me to do a bunch of them, and then like I tried a year ago, I was like, holy shit, how, why is it so heavy? And I just saw that, damn, like, yeah, it, it, I literally need to kind of force it through like this much more than kind of this way that I used to do. Why don't you so, try this one when you go hmm? sideways? When you go sideways? I don't think I'm strong enough for that. Like, I'm, I, and then, of course, I haven't done like muscle ups and that kind of stuff for years. I think, you know, starting to do it a little bit again now that I've been training some pulling strength again. Um, and I bought, I bought a set of rings that I'm going to start using. Um, next week so well, perhaps, I'll, perhaps i'll get back to it looking forward to that i wanted to come back to breakdancing a little bit because i used to breakdance back back in a school like ages mm -hmm. like what was that 40 kgs ago mm -hmm. and i still could do some some sort of way uh, how they are called in english um, boom, 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 boom. you know the windmill i could do this one mm -hmm. i was able to do this one i was able to do the thomas wheel yeah that's uh, flares. flares yeah, yeah the flare. mm. that one i was able to do just a single one i never i never mm. literally follow follow it follow it through mm. yeah, so tell us more about this breakdancing how how yeah again how this, how this is actually started what how long does it did it take how, how where, where did you been training yeah so so for me like breaking was kind of it was my second real passion after karate uh and like yeah, I got really into breaking. Like I watched a VHS called Freestyle Session Three from '98, and I was just completely blown away. This is like around 2001, 2002, uh, and uh, yeah, I started just trying in my room at home in my little hometown. I I did the kind of the pause play on the VHS to just see what they were doing. I tried learning windmills, and eventually I managed a couple of windmills, and I was super happy. It was kind of my first. It was like my first physical achievement, it felt like, because I always felt so clumsy and so like I was never kind of good at sports like the other kids, but like I managed windmills. I was cool, I thought. Uh, and uh, then I moved to Oslo and I met all the breakers there. Like I was lucky to kind of get into the community there rather quickly and met a couple of people that started teaching me. Um, There's one guy notably that named Adil who helped me out a lot um, and taught me a lot of stuff. And he had some of the best flares I've ever seen. So I started training flares a lot. Uh, I was training a lot of power moves, a lot of the spin stuff. Uh, but we had extremely bad methodology, all of us. It's hilarious to look back at. But we were also kids. We were fucking stupid. Uh, and also, like, there was much less tutorials. Uh, like, there wasn't YouTube at a time. So, like, we tried and we, we did some stuff. But we, I think, many of, like, some people became good, but... There, are like a lot of people, including myself, fell off early because of like, because of kind of the lack of methodology and, and stuff within the culture. Because it's, it's also kind of like a tough culture to get into in one sense because it's so, I mean, 
people are friends, but it's very competitive, and it's like the battles, and everyone is kind of like acting hardcore and cool and stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it gets kind, it gets kind of childish, and I guess that's why I eventually kind of moved on from it as well because like I don't want to go and like be in your face and pretend like I'm badass because like I'm just not that kind of person. Like mm-hmm. I love to, I love to watch breaking, and I love to watch the people who are a bit like that for real. Like they have a chip on their shoulder and they want to fuck you up in the circle. Like I love to watch that, but like for me, I felt I just had to fake that entire thing, and I never felt comfortable with it. Um, um, but it's it's uh, and of course, not everyone who like many people are great at breaking and not, don't have like a chip on their shoulder. It's not what I mean, but uh, it, I guess I know, end, I know like, what you get. You have to you have to fake the hate. Yeah, and you 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 need to at least like. You, you need to be comfortable in in that sorry, type, type of situation. And I just never got there. And I was also a bit too careful when I was breaking. I was kind of always thinking that, yeah, I'm just going to learn these things first. Then I can start battling. And like I was I would I would always postpone it until I basically never uh, happened. Never, never ending, never ending circle. Yeah. While the kids who were just like, yeah, they didn't give a shit and they just went battled and they were really crap. But then you gave them three years and boom, they were really good. So that's kind of how <laughs> how one has to approach it. But breaking is like, I think it's one of the, I have a lot of respect for the art form. Uh, because if you look at like the amount of physical vocabulary and creativity and dancing styles uh, that has come out of breaking in a reasonably short amount of time, it is absolutely outstanding um like it's not a fair comparison but if you look at stuff like gymnastics uh, gymnastics has a very clear set of rules everyone learns the moves more or less the same ways the criteria are very clear you lose points if you do it like a little bit different and so on it becomes very regimented and it becomes like there's very little room for for creativity even though it's called artistic gymnastics like like, when's the last time you saw a side flip in floor routines? It's like, it wasn't the 80s, basically, because now it's just, just twist more times and flip more times. And, like, you have to do it very specifically. And that, that just makes it so that, like, it becomes rather limited what new stuff comes out. And, like, it's funny because, like, gymnasts were the first one to do flares. Um, like, uh, apparently a guy named Philip DeLassel who did flares first, but then Kurt Thomas did it in the Olympics, and then he got known as the Thomas Flare. Uh, but like, like the basic flares in breaking, like there, there are like 20 variations of, of flares nowadays with all these kind of weird stuff that you see. And the interesting part is because in gymnastics, uh, you take, you take a body and you shape and mold that body, uh, to fit the certain technique. So you, you start. You get your splits, you get the this, you get the that, then you work on your flares like this and that and that and that, that and boom, you have the a very standard, standardized looking flare. While in breaking, it's like you take the move and you make it work for you. So it's kind of the opposite thing. So that's why you see like people with like, for example, what's called like V flares or universal flares where like the legs are almost together and like they, they go in this very, really weird trajectory kind of from like a press to handstand to a mana back to a press to handstand it looks mm-hmm. crazy and the reason why these things came about is just some guy came along who had really flexible shoulders and a crazy pike and he tried to do some stuff and oh shit it works for him and hey like boom he had a new move and then like someone else takes that move and like reshapes it and does something else with it and slowly but surely like you, you get an enormous vocabulary of loads of different things. And 
I've seen this with so many of the moves, like still to this day, I see like today even I saw a new move I've never seen before. I had to like rewind. What the hell did he just do? And I watched a lot of this. And it's the same in kind of tricking and in kind of street workout as well. Like these kind of freestyle uh, activities that don't have the kind of the, the boundary conditions and the limits of gymnastics. They don't have, of course, like the coaches and all of the knowledge and stuff. But still you see it now. Like, I mean, for a while people were like, oh, yeah, street, street workout. Like they're, they're just doing some shitty planches. Look now, like you have people doing worse things than some of the best string gymnasts. And there's just some random dude training in his room, listening to like anime music. So, like, I think it's so cool with all these things because they they expose like hundreds of thousands of people to this this these activities. And what is going to happen is you're going to get an insane influx. You're going to, of course, get a lot of people who are just average, but you're going to get the talents out as well on a on on a scale that is almost hard to keep up with for many of the professional sports because that you need to go through the formalized systems to get from A to B. While like in street workout, you have someone like, oh yeah, I saw the cool kids doing Maltese to inverse cross. You know what? Fuck them. I'm going to do like the entire thing and then go back down into this and that. And then, then they're 14 and they're full of fire and like some break, but some end up doing it. So I think it's really cool to see these kind of unstructured, Art forms tricking did the See same the guy way. doing iron cross on the pinkies. Yeah. The other day. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, it's like we're talking about it. You know what comes to my mind? The one sentence hmm? hold my beer. And hmm. then they go and invent <laughs> stuff. Literally. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that. I spoke with some like the old school UK people. They said, hmm. like, we never thought that we're going to be able to do like 360s and stuff like that. Now look hmm. at these kids. They just. Hmm. Every, every year there's something new coming up. Yeah. Spinning. They're doing what? 540s now, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such a... Um, like, and I mean, like, I, I have no disrespect for circus or for gymnastics or these kind of more formalized things at all. I think so. it's great as well. It's just, it's just cool to see what happens when you when you let loose that kind of wild young Yeah, when energy. you don't have rules. Yeah, when, exactly. There is it, no, it, when there is no rules. Yeah. And and like you said, like the 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 kids come in then and, and and just they see this, they try, and then like it it starts happening. Like I remember some years ago, like people were 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 saying, oh yeah, but this thing is impossible. No one's done it before, so then it's it's not doable. And then some kid comes along, he's fourteen, and boom! Like they they were talking also about like uh, standing double backflip on like on completely flat grass that like it was almost impossible to land it nicely. Now there's a couple of kids doing it, and they're yeah, they're 14 mm -hmm. because they're 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 just gonna show you up because that that's what the young generation kind of does. So I think it's I think it's really cool to see this and like how how you can kind of reform uh, a lot of art forms when when you don't necessarily have the the tight rule set, um, and and that is uh, and like you you see also now within like. In, for example, in calisthenic street workout and stuff, you see a lot of kind of the the really good guys. Their form is perfect. They 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 are they they have kind of decided, okay, yeah, we're gonna do it as as good as the gymnasts. So so like it's tight. Like the shoulders are like exactly like in Olympic placement. The knees are locked. The toes are pointed. Everything is like that. So they have the ability to do it too. And uh, I'm kind of happy to see see them kind of do that because I remember in the beginning I spoke to to a couple of gymnasts and I'm like yeah, but 
this is this is just like it looks like trash and now it's just like, yeah but these kids are schooling you <laughs> it's, it's nice to see on your profile on instagram you have a term scapular architect <laughs> oh yes let's expand uh, on it a little bit i mean uh, I, I think more or less i know what you mean by that well let's let's, let's give some information <laughs> to our audience as well it's this is just I mean it's just a joke. I like to I like to invent stupid new words, uh, and what happens is they kind of drop into my head when I think about things, and there's this this kind of like uh, uh, combination of words come come together. And I was just thinking like yeah, hand balancer is essentially so, like you're creating architecture, uh, like you are you're forming various geometrical kind of aesthetically pleasing shapes, and uh, you like and the scapula is the kind of the the main thing of that entire architecture it's kind of the the founding pillar of the entire thing so it, it was it was just a joke i meant to not write kind of hand balancer because that's such a boring I like term it. Uh, to be honest i like <laughs> it because if we look at the scapula is without without the function fully functional scapula everything else just doesn't gonna work mm. like you're not gonna be able to push if if they are not there you're not gonna be able to push because they're yeah. pushing the shoulders forward right yeah they're pulling them back they allow you to rotate stay uh, with, yeah. with, with the stability and stuff like that so it's like a it's like a pillar of ever of everything of your upper body it's like you yeah. would remove hips yeah yeah it's it's, it's it, it's such um i mean i've i've gone through a super spin artist tear here this year um Ouch. And uh, I mean, it's healing now. It takes a long time, but it's very interesting to feel how big of a difference it has been. When I mean, it hasn't hasn't been a full rupture. I I went and I did an ultrasound. I was worried about my my labrum and stuff. Uh, you can't see the labrum on the ultrasound, but he basically said that like he looked at all the tendons and said, okay, yeah, well, here we have the source of your issue. There was like a um, a hole in the tendon of the supraspinatus coming down the humerus. Uh, it wasn't large. He said, okay, I give this three to four months and you're going to probably be pretty fine. He told me, okay, yeah, you're not an average guy. You're like a high-performing athlete. So keep training. Don't do things that are stupid and, and hurts and do these kind of rehab stuff. So he gave me just very basic kind of rotator cuff strengthening things. Um, but it's interesting to see like how large of an impact it has because on, on bad days, uh, even still, uh, it's as if like I have no control. Like I will, it's as if my shoulder just drops and I don't know why. Whereas like, I mean, in every single handstand workout I ever did, I always fell, no doubt. But most of the time you have a sensation, you go like, oh no, my shoulder dropped or like, oh shit, I pushed oh, yeah, too yeah, much yeah. this way. Or like you, 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 you feel the process of what's going on because I'm so sensitive to what's happening. But here it's been like, okay, I'm on my arm, I'm on my arm. And I fall down. It's like, what the hell happened there? Like, and like, my only presumption is just that like my supraspinatus can't fire effectively, and sometimes it might not fire at all uh, due to the injury it has, uh, and then it just doesn't work. And like in in daily life, I function perfectly. Like, it's just that I'm doing such crazy like extreme positions with my shoulder that it's obviously that if it has a problem, it is going to it is going to cause you destabilization a lot quicker. So like you said, it's just like, it's it's so much just about the stability of this area and having 
the control there and that is something that like in handstand terms are just still i feel very misunderstood that but like a yeah, core strength and blah 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 like the main thing is just keeping control of your scapula if you can control the head of the humerus and and control your scapula um like a, a lot of the entire kind of work of learning handstands is done um let's bring back uh there's something we were talking about uh, before we started uh live it's about the um, reality of training right so mm -hmm. some stuff you do when i start following you i've seen for a first time and i assume they are impossible right i know mm -hmm. i'm 100 sure i cannot do anything what what you are doing i can do attempts but what stuff do you struggle with that you you know you're not gonna be able to do it so um yeah i mean to me it's um i have i mean i've always been like very interested in a lot of kind of like the strength stuff of hand balancing and like i remember when i first got into hand balancing there was a couple of things that i was really just fascinated just like, how, how how the hell is this possible um and like I, I became obsessed with one arm press to handstand very early on because like I loved presses to handstand just because that was some one of the things that I used to do when I learned breaking as well. I just naturally learned to press and I thought I was cool. And then I saw this was somehow possible to do on one arm and like, whoa, hell, this is this I want to do. Um and yeah, like learning that was a huge struggle for me. And it's it because like the higher up you kind of go on the kind of how to say the the vertical um hierarchy of difficulty of these things the more the more your proportions your body weight your strength to weight ratio your level of fitness all this starts like starting to actually matter significantly and i think it's like actually basically inversion or like it's proportional to the same same thing as i mean you said you're like uh, over 100 kgs if me and you would start out trying to compete in bench press against each other, it's very obvious who would lift the, the highest amount of weight, like no matter what. Like if, if we would do calculations to weight class, it might be, not be so different, but like the absolute weight that you could move would just be a lot larger than the absolute weight I, I could move. Like it would be extremely unlikely that I would be able to do, uh, to reach such an absolute weight. And like, there is a reason why, what's his name, Haftor, uh, uh, the um, Icelandic huge strongman. There's a reason that he could def deadlift 500 kg. Because he's a fucking monster of a man. While like a smaller person couldn't move that kind of weight. And with body weight movement, it's just the opposite. Like If you have less body weight to move and still a quite uh, good amount of strength on that, um, you are going to get things faster. Uh, and you're going to be able to potentially move a lot further. I, I know people that got better at me in handstands by quite a long shot in less than half of the time. And I'm, I'm 180. I am like, I fluctuate between 80 kilos and 77, 76. Uh, and for me, there's an enormous difference. If I'm 80 kilos, there are certain things that I cannot do. One arm press to handstand, I barely ever managed on 80 kilos. On 76, 77 it's usually okay but it's th there you see that like i am obviously then for my body's structure 
like I'm already playing with fire. I'm already kind of to some towards some sort of limit. And it's the same with planche. Like when I'm in shape, I can do a straddle planche. If I'm not in shape, I can't do a straddle planche. But I've basically just seen that, for example, let's say a full planche. It's just I don't know if I could be able to do a real full plunge unless I would dedicate an extreme amount of time basically removing other types of, of priorities and possibly dropping weight. The only time I was close to a full plunge to some degree, I was, I think I was like 75, maybe 74 kilos. And it was because like I was having a shit period in my life and I didn't eat enough. And I was a fucking god on my hands at the time because like I was so light. I was just fine compared to when I'm more healthy and in a better place mm-hmm. because like then, then I eat normally and it becomes kind of a thing there, which I, I, like you said, you mentioned realism that it's, it's important to, because it, it, it's so popular to talk about no limits and beast mode and just go and go and go. And like, there are limits. Like I can't run as fast as Usain Bolt. Like it's not going to happen. I can run faster than me and I can get better. But I, it's it's important to to um, to see these types of limitations for what they are because yeah. a body is most, a body. Most, most important, don't look down on yourself if you cannot do something because of some of your natural uh, mm. speci- specifics. Uh, yeah, I went I went through like a, I went through my mind in the beginning when I was starting. Oh, I'm so heavy. I'm so that like. Just why I'm worrying about it. Like, I like to do my legs. I like my legs when they are strong. And I like to deadlift crazy amounts of weight and squat. I love it. But it's obviously that's put me in a, in a, in a position that I'm, I'm never going to be able to do plunge because my calf is the size of uh, some guys that do plunge's chest. Mm. Right? <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple, the leverage. Like we, yeah. like we talked before, it's just physics and mathematics. That's it. You're not yeah. gonna, you're not gonna overcome that. Because otherwise, yeah. your shoulder we have to, we have to look twice the size of your chest, and the rest of mm. the body has to be thin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, like, I, and I think like it's it's very important also to to mention that like the things that we're mentioning here is is primarily when we're moving towards higher difficulty things uh the things that i think is achievable for most people are things like i mean everyone can learn how to handstand as i I see it as long as you have functional arms and like you don't have any specific injuries and you have like a reasonable level of regular fitness you can find learn to handstand even one arm handstand i think that most people with a high level of dedication and more fitness than a two-arm handstand but like someone who's who really wants to learn a one-arm handstand could through years of of practice some faster than others but it's possible with with a lot of time because with a thing such as a handstand you have you have several parameters that dictate how difficult a thing you're doing is like you can get better technique you can get better shoulder opening okay okay i'm heavy it's hard for me okay you work crazy on your splits you suddenly you, you have like a massive split with help which helps you uh and you can there there are many things that can be done to manipulate and like same with the press to handstand. I love to compare presses to handstand to planche because in a press, you're trying to make it as easy as possible uh, and you're trying to compress the body as much as possible, use as much flexibility as possible, like lean at least possible using like high shoulder flexion and so on. And the ultimate, 
ultimate way of learning a press then is developing a good pancake, a good pike, a good split, good shoulder flexibility, a good handstand and some decent compression strength. So that's a lot of stuff that you can work on separately with specific uh, movements and then you slowly but surely put them together. While in a planche, a planche is as simple as put your hands on the floor and lean forwards. If you're strong enough, your legs will float off the floor at a certain point. Like there, there isn't more, like there aren't much more, like you can't cut the body in half. You can't straddle your legs. But then again, the technical difficulty of straddling your legs in a planche isn't very high. Like you can basically do like a reverse hyper holding onto something and lifting your legs and straddling and you will emulate the same lifting. So mm -hmm. it there are so few ways to make a plunge easier. And of course, there's some technique involved there too. But uh, I think it's a very good comparison because like it will, uh, it will always take you the same amount of net force to do a, a, a plunge. Uh, if like, let's, let's just for the sake of example, take a, a full plunge where the legs will be at the same point and everything will be at the same point. The forward scene will always take the same amount of force to get the feet off the floor unless you lose weight. Like it's, it's not going to reduce the amount of force. So all the body can do is compensate by generating more force. And like that will start having a drop off at one point where it will be harder and harder for the body to, to go past a certain threshold of force production. So that is, that is where I find it uh, important to, to start looking at like the things that have few variables to manipulate those might be more difficult to achieve for some people than others whereas there are more uh, more parameters to manipulate it might be more accessible because you can adjust and like you can find more you your own way you can so you can compensate one with another exactly and just for like taking the complete opposite uh, spectrum of 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 the full planche you can say for example to do a contortion like like the what they call the rose where you you butt bend so much you put your butt on your head obviously not everyone is going to be able to do that some can get really close and those who have like are more gifted genetically than others can get closer than others some might even be able to do it right off because of just crazy genetics but like for me to try to do that like i like i don't think it would be physically possible for my body structure at this point in time to be able to do it perhaps ever and there are differences in skeletons. There are differences in in tendon lengths and like the the pliability of tissues and stuff within people. So it's just important to think that okay, uh, I could get better at backbending. I could probably get a good bridge because then we were talking average then. But like if we're going like contortion level stuff, it starts being specialized, and you might need to consider like okay, is this for me or not? Like and most importantly, am I ready for? the real sacrifice it will take to go there, uh, which then might mean stuff like, yeah, let's say for you, okay, planche or nothing, okay, I do not need to sacrifice loads of things. I know I know those guys who are like, okay, I stopped training everything because I need to be able to do a push-up with my legs in the air. Like, And I, I respect it. It's cool. If that's what you want to do, rock on. It's but, education. Yeah. It's for some and not for everyone, basically. I just, I just, I just don't. I just give up on the idea of planche. Too much, too much. I rather have fun. I rather have fun training sessions and maintain them, yeah. than be like stick to the one certain thing and yeah. just do, do, do. It's, it doesn't have that much value. Oh, that's the yeah. thing. It doesn't have that much value for me exactly. to sacrifice as much as I, as 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 it requires. 
So let's talk about your current training. Are you preparing for anything specific now, training for any specific skills? Mm, right now, as I, as I mentioned, like with um, the rotator cuff tear, um, like I basically had one of my, uh, probably my worst year in training for a fair while, I would say. It's a lot of it is my own fault of just basically not, um, how to say, uh, I was in really good shape last uh, April. I probably pushed too hard, started to develop some small issues, and which I didn't take care of well enough. I kept on going, and I like basically through the last like 15 years of training, I've just been able to go, 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 way too much compared to what I should have been able to do. And I've I've just I've but I've been used to it. Like in my 20s, it was no problem. I could just fly through it, and it didn't bother me that much. Now I need to pay more attention, take more care. Um, and through this year, like I had periods of ups and periods of downs, but uh, every time I was starting to feel better, I went back to my normal routine, which like my body wasn't ready for it. Um, so like after Christmas, after I went to the, the physio and got the shoulder checked and he said it was the tear and stuff, like I started to be smarter with my training, which I think is like I've probably done. I'm probably doing more sustainable training now than in a very long time. Um, so my, my main focus is uh, rehabbing, basically, the shoulder. And, like, at this point in time, rehabbing for me means, like, endurance one arms, for example, is one of the things that I feel is, is helping me the most now because, like, I've gotten strong in the various rotation exercises. Again, like, I don't have pain anywhere. Like, it's a bit stiff and sore. But when I do handstands on one arm, like, I can still do most of it. But, like, my endurance isn't where it was. Uh, and that's affecting the amount of technical stuff that I can comfortably do. So I'm working on up that. I'm working back kind of a strength on pressing. I'm working like back to some degree of planche. Uh, and just like working back the, the what I consider my basics, which are, of course, higher than most people's handstand basics, like mm -hmm. getting back. Like, it's, like, to, it's like insane. Oh, uh, to recover from my shoulder injury, I'll just do one arms for reps. Exactly. <laughs> That, that yeah, it, sounds, like, it sounds ridiculous, but that's your reality because you've been yeah. doing this for so long. How long have you exactly. been? How long have you been doing that? I mean, I've been doing hand balancing specifically now for twelve years, uh, and <laughs> I've done it on like a very high frequency. Um, I worked very hard on it, but uh, so like now it's yeah, it's it's getting the joints up to par. It is getting the kind of like I'm also just working a little bit more kind of generalized now because I uh, I feel that like I, I don't know if it's it's like you can't make any like direct um, uh, rationales between like what you can do in one motion versus another. But I've kind of felt like, oh, yeah, I should maybe try to add some pulling into my training, try to diversify my training a bit more because it's been extremely specific and very narrow training for a lot of years. So I started adding in some pull-ups. I've started adding in, like, I basically have one day a week where I do uh, what I could, would consider more like conventional strength training work. I don't work on trying to do a skill or try to, to do anything that, I, I, that would impress me. Like, I'm doing my handstand push-ups. I do tuck planche push-ups. I do uh, my chins with weights. And that is basically that workout. Um, and what's, what feels good about that is, like, we talked about that, like, it's it's very simple. Like you're you're not trying you're not chasing a skill. You go in, you do some shit, and you finish up. 
and you come back next week, you try to add slightly more. So I have one week, one day a week where I do that and I can fill my last fry today from, from that. Um, uh, then on kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I do hand balancing, but like not that much. I'm kind of keeping it quite chill. So today, okay, I know I'm sore. I'm going to go and I'm going to do some one arms, nothing complicated. Just play around a little bit with it. Uh, Wednesday, I'm I'm going to do like a proper hand balancing session, work on like more of like some of the harder skills again. Uh, Thursday, I'm going to do a little bit less again, quite chill session. And Friday, I'm going to kill it on kind of one arm related strength, uh, which is like yeah, all of my presses and all like on that 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 stuff that is very demanding on the shoulder. And that means that like I basically do two sessions a week, which are heavy on kind of the shoulder area but they're on different things and i've do, been doing this for the last six weeks now and i can the, the good thing that i found right now is that i am able to it's predictable i know that on mondays i'll be able to do, do a decent workout on on that strength i know that the days in between i can do a little bit here and there and i know that on friday i can actually i'm recovered enough and i've had a full week since the last of those types of trainings so that I can work on on the hard stuff again uh, on Saturday or Sunday. I do some legs, uh, but I rest the upper body, so I have those two days off. And I'm pretty happy about this routine because, like, I am I am making some gains, but it's going slow, and I'm happy about like, okay, I'm not rushing because last time I felt good, I rushed and I crushed it, and I fucked myself up again. So it's it's slow but incremental gains, um, and the fact that I'm resting two days a week and the fact that during this process, my shoulder is getting better and better. So that is kind of like my goal for now, like not training for anything really specific, but I'd like to get back some of my kind of harder handstand movements uh, that I used to do. But I'm also kind of seeing that like, okay, yeah, might be some of them that I won't get back, but it's, it doesn't matter. I've been there, I've done that, and I'm kind of happy with where I got to. And now it's more kind of about enjoying the practice than having to be at kind of, no one can be at the peak always, kind of. Oh, no, of course not. Do you have the days that you just don't want to do anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, or I have the days where I want, I really want to do it, and I can't. Those are the most frustrating. Uh, <laughs> last, last, last Thursday I had that. I was like, okay, today's the day. I'm like, because I was... I was having stuff to do on Friday when I was going to do my proper hard workout. And I said, like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it on Thursday. I feel lightning sharp today. I eat well. I, let's have some coffee. Let's go. And I go to the gym and I'm like, uh, you barely lift my arm. I was like, I'm fucking dead. I don't know what's wrong, wrong with me. And it, it happens. Uh, and yeah, I've just gotten better at just ignoring it. Okay, I don't feel it today. I'm just going to go home. Who cares? And try to do it the next day or so. Um, yeah. It's so people, if you skip the training session, you're not gonna die. Yes, muscles don't <laughs> Basically. they're not gonna go away. Come back nope. tomorrow and do it, do it. Exactly. That's simple. That's simple. Everyone, everyone has a days, sometimes weeks, even. Yeah. There was a one time yeah. I took a month doing nothing. Mm. It's like yeah. you need them. Yeah, it, it can it can be very healthy. And I think for for injury prevention and like thinking long term, it's it's important to to give yourself time and to, to not have too high expectations on on doing super well all the time. And I think when it comes to like working out with a lot of skill work, uh, I think this is a problem. 
because with skill work, you're trying to to do a certain task and make it work. And if it doesn't work, it's frustrating. Uh, and if you go in every session with this kind of goal that you're going to make the skill work, uh, it's easy to kind of like, you're, you're basically like, your emotional state is dependent on whether or not you manage because you're going to get annoyed if you don't. And I think this is where it's important. Like sometimes it's it's cool to have that. Like, okay, yeah, I managed. It's fun, awesome. But if that is the only way you train, you're putting yourself in a situation where you very often don't get much done compared to like, okay, I'm going to work on a little bit of skill work like that some days, but other days I'm going to go in and I'm going to just do the drills that leads me towards what I want to do rather than just chasing the dragon trying to like okay yeah I, if i manage it then i have the right to feel great today like no it's you know you know when you when when you just start start doing something and you know it's not gonna go well today it's mm. just okay take a step take a step back do easy stuff so you do yeah. at least a little towards mm. something instead of doing the big one and then suffer mm. like i mentioned mm. before uh, hands and push up the one i've done mm. i went mm. down Hold it here, try to press. That's mm. it. Done. Mm. Mm. Three three months recovery. Yep. Yeah. It sucks. That is def that is exactly what I'm trying to avoid doing again now. Last time I did it was in start of January. I felt super good. Did one session that was it felt really good there and then and then the days after I was like, fuck. Why is it feeling bad again? I know why it's feeling bad again. It's I did it. <laughs> So very important to be able to pay, pace yourself there. All right. So let's go. Let's summarize a little bit. What tips yes. you would have for an audience that want to start hand balancing? Um, so for hand balancing, I would say uh, general, before I speak about kind of my own approach to it, I mean, uh, I think what is good to do if you want, like, like try to find out a little bit about how the practice works. And there's loads of free resources out there already. So, like, um, get in touch with people who are capable um, or, like, watch tutorials, kind of, like, st start understanding what, what is the practice is a part of. Uh, but also be aware that there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of conflicting information out there. So I would actually search out people with a good good source of knowledge for for it, because it's it's like I mean if you go into like kind of the wrong circles of like there's a lot of kind of clickbait programs out there that are just like develop your handstand in two weeks, yay! Like everything that is is planning to give you short term gains with this, like it it's basically bogus. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, so, I mean, short-term solutions lead to uh, long-term problems most of the time. Uh, <laughs> and with this, it's just like you're you're not going to get far. And um, like, there's there's a lot of kind of like misinformation, even like people that just don't understand what they're writing about. I mean, so like, of course, you have the option of coaching. And uh, I do personal coaching as well. And I am running Handstand Factory, which I'm kind of, I need to mention here, which is a kind of, is a resource for learn, uh, teaching hand balancing online that I'm doing, uh, I co-made with Emmett Lewis, who is an expert on flexibility training. And he also teaches handstands and other various bits and pieces of, of physical trainings. Um, 
So, I mean, if you're interested in specific knowledge about hand balancing training, I could certainly recommend that because I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, I do think we did a good job. And that doesn't mean we are the only ones that know how to teach handstands. There are loads of people out there that are very qualified and capable. Um, and being just a good performer at something doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good teacher. Um, and uh, I think that like, make sure when you're learning handstands that you're, you understand the basic principles of how it works, uh, such as learning to balance from the fingers, applying the, the force on the ground with the fingers to be able to keep yourself in balance, shoulder positioning, uh, understanding how kind of the scapula connects and how kind of the shoulder elevation and the placement and so on. Uh, another one is don't get too caught up in details too early because if you're new at this, uh, it's going to be like being new at everything else. You can't take in all details at once. Like if you go to a guitar class for the first time and the guitar teacher gives you the guitar, they're not going to ask you to play a solo first time. They're going to give you a bunch of grips and a bunch of super basic drills. They're going to ask you to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat until you slowly but surely can put together a couple of grips and so on and so on and so on. And down the line, you play the song. Don't try to play the song right off. And make sure that like you 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 focus on uh, understanding, as I said, the bits and pieces. Learn to use the wall, for example. Learn how kickups work, and learn to. Uh, as we are teaching in Hansen Factory, one one thing is like separating the pieces that can constitute the handstand, so that you're learning drills that teach you the parts that become your frame, like that becomes your framework to train the entire handstand. Because if you just try and try and try, it's very random uh, and it's hard to get a system onto it. And also on the other side, if you try to apply, okay, I need to push my fingers, push my shoulders, uh, tense my glutes, tense my thighs, point my toes, look at the floor right there, then keep balance. Blah, blah, blah. So if you try to do all these things at once when you're not experienced, you're going to likely manage none of them. So setting up scenarios where you're able to work on one of the capacities, let's say finger pressure. You use a back-to-the-wall handstand, which is set up in a proper way so that you can start sensing, okay, if I push the fingers on the floor like this, something happens to my body structure, which means that you're teaching your body to understand the context and the concept of what's going on rather than just trying to do the handstand. You learn the hand, okay, you do stomach-to-wall to learn the shoulder push, feel how that works. You do a couple of other drills to learn how the legs work. You learn... You learn basic kick-up motions to learn how that works. You practice all of these separately, and slowly but surely, you start putting them together, and that's what constitutes the handstand. That was a long rant. Great, solid tips. I just want to add, I'm the person that learned randomly. I just mm. try, 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 try. I was doing like 100 kick-ups a day, mm. and I was strong. I had no mobility for it. There was a banana. Mm. I think banana is fine in the beginning. Teach yeah. yourself how to how to use this. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. Like I mean, having slightly like as long as you know what you're trying to achieve and that you use tools that bring you slower, slowly but surely towards it, it's not fine. It's not a problem to have imperfect form in the beginning. It's funny, like all of kind of. Friends of mine that are like ad, like quite advanced hand balancers and handstand teachers that I've taught for years, they're like we've all kind of agree on that. that people just like try way too hard to be perfect in the beginning. 
Uh, exactly. Just allow yourself to make some mistakes slowly but surely. You learn, and the more serious you are, are about it, the further you will take this kind of quest for for perfecting it and getting super good at it. But you you don't you don't need to become an elite performer at it. First of all, and most importantly, is that you enjoy and that you have fun with. Yeah, like I said to like I said to people, like, are you preparing for competition? Are you preparing for this? Are you preparing to go on a stage? Like, mm. you have a whole life. Mm. You have a whole life to learn it. Like, why are you rushing? Yeah. Good point. Very good point. There's a whole life for that. All right. Now let's get let's give some tips for a person that can actually hold the handstand now and want to mm. progress it even further. Correct the correct the line maybe and stuff like that we're not gonna go into advanced it's just just the inter intermediate because if we go to the advanced there is so many branches yeah. that you can go through yeah i guess for for intermediate hand balancing uh i think uh, there has been around this kind of concept that you need to do a minute and that is kind of your first first milestone i don't think that is i think that is a bit too long for someone to go like I'm okay i can stand yeah and like I can stand my hands for ten seconds, okay, cool. Um, but from there to sixty seconds is a long time. From ten to thirty seconds, it's also a long time. Okay, so I would say get to twenty plus seconds, being able to balance. Start start there. Then like as you as you have some sort of consistency, you can stand on your hands. Then start working on shaping up your form. If if you are one of those people, some people have the form from the start. But start shaping up your form. Like learn about like scapular elevation, and you might need even shoulder flexibility to be able to reach that positioning. And then I would say the next next part is starting to learn the tuck handstand, the straddle handstand, and starting to learn leg movements. Uh, because what this does is that it takes your handstand, which is then your basic structure, and it starts challenging the structure uh, and the balancing capacity with uh, with movements and complexity. Which means that when if you go up and you're working on only endurance handstand. All your goal is, okay, towards one minute, towards one minute. You have one single task, which is quite long, which is quite arduous, and which is going to take you a long time to actually reach the one minute because, like, you it, you, you need to reach 45 seconds first and so on, so on, so on. So on. Uh, and it's going to get kind of boring after a while. So what I would advise, instead of only chasing that, start moving your legs because you're going to experience different sensations in handstand. You're going to have more things to do, more variation. And since this is skill work, you, you need a bit of variation. Uh, and like learning the tuck in particular is going to help your shoulder flexion as well because you put weight in, into in front of the, of the body, which requires you to flex your shoulders even harder in response to not fall down. Uh, and like learning the tuck and the straddle handstand and the movements between them and between straight and so on will also start giving you a level of preparation for towards uh, the eventual press to handstand that can come later on. Uh, so it's those two positions are the primary ones. And I would also say start learning the jumps to handstand, which means the tuck jump to handstand and the straddle jump to handstand. They are also intermediate drills, which will, again, give you variation. And it will give you the trajectory of a press to handstand, but with a jump. Uh, so that means you have two extra entries. You have two extra leg positions to work on. You have movements between them. And if you would even want to go further than that, you can start doing stuff like cartwheel to handstand as well, which is also a great drill and starts in implementing the sideways dimension into the handstand. Uh, so those are kind of like the main 
stay things I'd say for like the immediate the, the intermediate practitioners kind of right after the regular handstand because all of this stuff starts naturally to to move towards the press and if you want to go further than than press the handstand and kind of start dabbling with one arms or other complex vocabulary you are most likely well off being able to press due to a lot of various biomechanical uh, reasons and technical reasons but uh, this stuff starts taking you in that direction without training the press and then comes the point where like okay you've gotten really good at tuck and tuck jump straddle jump and straddle handstand movements you want to start training the press hey ho you actually have a foundation to start training the press rather than okay i can do 10 second handstand and i'm going to start pressing as soon as you open your legs you just fall down because you don't have any control over your legs hmm. what do you think is the best best idea yeah, break it down. Exactly. Yeah, those are some good ones as well. Again, like I said, start doing bends and stuff like that. I like, like you said, 60 seconds, 60 seconds. Like around 20, I'm just getting bored and I'm starting to experimenting. It's just holding mm. it in one position. It's just like, yeah. no, I need to do something. It's, 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 it's too boring. And then I'm start, I'm starting. Like you mentioned, tuck. Tuck is mm. very hard for, for me, for example. I know I don't have that much of open open shoulders but it's mm. really really challenging mm. yeah for and someone so like you then like the, the, yeah developing like the tuck handstand is is one of the safest bets um for actually like because like when it comes to shoulder flexion and, and all that stuff like it's it's kind of misunderstood because it's it's not just about being able to have the passive range what you need to be able to do is support your body in that specific situation so you, you, you need to be able to have the strength to keep the joint there while under the weight of your entire body and bringing the legs in front of your body. So there's a lot of stuff going on and it's actually very hard to develop that very specific strength without working on the specific thing because it's such a, like, there is, there's so many things going on. So being able to emulate all of that with other exercises such as weights is difficult. Whereas like, I will, it's easier to see the relevance of grabbing two dumbbells and doing like lift straight arm lifts in front of you. It's more relevant to planche than other weight exercises to press because in a planche, what you're doing, you keep the body straight and you literally lift your arm like this. So the pressure feels very similar to doing a planche if you grab heavy weights and you do that lift. Whereas if you do other similar kind of lifts with the arms overhead and stuff, you don't really get the sensation of the of the of the tuck handstand and the tuck handstand is on top of that a balancing skill so the joint needs to be responding to all of the micro movements happening and 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 so on so so this is something that like in in and large is best to train in the handstand and there are several wall setups uh, for doing that as well all right michael let's close this stuff up yes. that's your time promote yourself Tell uh, something more about your business. You already mentioned some. Yeah, so Tell us what, um, what, what we can expect. Yeah, so um, about the things that I do, I mean, I do have personal online coaching uh, through uh, various means, um, but primarily it's like program writing where uh, I make specific programs for you depending on your goals uh, and largely relating, of course, to hand balancing. Uh, if anyone is interested in that kind of stuff, you can, of course, contact me through DM on, on Instagram. Uh, or you can also get in touch with me, with me through my website, which is mikaelbalancing.com. Uh, 
Um, other than that, I am running Handstand Factory, as I mentioned, uh, together with Emmett Lewis. We are offering programs there on um, learning the basic handstand. We have like a series of programs called Push, which is for the basic two-arm handstand. Keep Pushing, which is for the leg movements and straddle jumps and kind of intermediate stuff, as I just mentioned. Press, which is for press to handstands, obviously. And Push Harder, which is for one-arms. Uh, we are also uh, currently developing further programs as well re relating to various skills, both in between these ones and into kind of the more complex vocabulary. Um, we have also a bunch of free information on the site. There is a, a program called GRIP, which is basically a take care of your wrist program you get for free on handstandfactory.com. And yeah, we're also sharing a bunch of information about trainings and similar things on the Instagram, Hanson Factory, and also on my Instagram, Mikal Balancing. So you're welcome to take a look at all of that. And if you're in, interested in uh, anything specific, you don't hesitate to contact me. Wonderful, wonderful. Make sure, make sure you follow. Make sure you follow him. Don't don't even dare to, to skip this one. It's really <laughs> full of full of knowledge. I love your IGTVs when you explain stuff. Thanks. I learned a, I learned a lot from just just from it just from following you. So Brilliant. it's definitely something you guys don't want to give it a miss. Uh, my people, thank you very much for coming coming in, Michael. That's really really a pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you, my guys over here watching. Thank you for joining in. Uh, we don't have any questions. It's gonna build up with, with, with the time, obviously. Um, again, thank you very much for coming coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, we might do one in in the future and expand okay. on a little bit a little bit more more stuff. I, I think I have something on my mind already. Absolutely. All right. So take care, guys. See Cheers. you soon.